I'm Mimi Wagner. Welcome to the best of Simply Money. Each week we put together some of our favorite segments from the 55 KRC radio show exclusively for this podcast. At this point, come on, what's another few trillion bucks? Steve and I discuss the latest spending plans from the federal government, how Cincinnatians want to use the city's stimulus cash, and how all of this new money could affect your 401k. We also talk about how couples with an age gap can navigate retirement and keep some peace in their household. Finally, I interview Josiel Ehrlich, president of the Better Business Bureau, about the latest scams going around the tri-state. And just a few hours, President Joe Biden is laying out a more than trillion dollar plan. The question for you, is all of this spending going to affect you and your 401k? You're listening to Simply Money tonight. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. We're expecting here in just a few hours that uh, President Biden is going to lay out a $1.8 trillion proposal. This is going to include new spending on child care, education, paid leave. Uh, this is the soft infrastructure deal, Steve, that we've been talking about. Easy to talk about spending money, but then we have to talk about where it's coming from. Well, let's just clear this up a little bit. This is not the $1.8 trillion infrastructure deal that we were talking nope. about last this week. This is an addition. This is a new one. So, <laughs> yeah, first of all, the infrastructure deal that we were talking about last week, that, that's not $1.9 million anymore. That's $2.3 trillion. Eh, billion here, trillion there. Pretty soon you're talking big money. Yeah, you yeah. know, and, and we don't know how that's going to get paid for. That's not enough. Now we're talking about uh, an additional $1.8 trillion deal that, that's going to spend money on child care, education, paid leave, uh, paid uh, paid leave um, uh, for from employers. Um, remember the good old days when, when trillions of dollars were new and unheard of? Yeah, plans yeah. like this. And now we've got like a new plan. Uh, man, every few weeks. Now, when you look at the nuts and bolts of it, uh, Steve, I think a lot of people would agree, like, this is all good stuff in and of itself, a universal preschool program for three- and four-year-olds. Yeah. Um, I don't know, two years of free, uh, tuition-free community college. I, I know that there's probably people with a lot of mixed feelings out there about that. A national paid leave program where workers yeah. would receive up to $4,000 a month, the minimum of two-thirds of wages would at least be replaced. It's like you look at those things and you're like, yeah, those those are all good things. I at the same time, when you look at how we have to pay for them, and this yeah. is also kind yeah. of walking into a territory where we, you know, the government has always kind of operated under the premise that private companies do better at running a lot of things than the government does. This is stepping in a different direction. And listen, we're neither here nor there politically, right? but but that's what this is, and now we need to pay for it. Well, now let's look at it from a dollar's perspective. Right now, the national debt today, without any of these spending proposals, is at about 102% of gross domestic product. Just to put that in perspective, when we were getting nervous in 2008 and 2009, all of these spending programs and how much the Federal Reserve was was buying back bonds to, to prop up the economy, we were at about 30% of GDP. The only other time we were over 100% of GDP for the national debt was 1945. We had just gotten done with a world with right. a, a world war. So not only are we at the highest level of total debt than we, we've ever been since 1945, now, and, and if you just don't do any additional spending, it's accelerating the pace of debt being put on the books 
um, with current programs, but we're talking about trillions of dollars of new spending. I, I, I agree with you, Amy. We're, we're, everybody's in favor of all of these concepts, but it's like the little kid that says, I want that, I want that, I want that. Um, mom or dad, every, the adults in the room have at some point got to say, how do we pay for that? Yes, and we had Ohio Senator Rob Portman stepping in on the first infrastructure plan saying, listen, like these abrupt tax hikes, five times as large as the corporate tax cuts in 2017, is going to reduce competition with American workers and businesses here. And keep in mind, we just came out of a global pandemic. So this is just as the U.S. economy is starting to recover from the pandemic, then we're hitting these organizations with something. And that's what I think, you know, it's easy to look at this and say, okay, well, a tax on the rich, a tax on these big corporations. What the heck? It's, yeah. Right. But yeah. you have to understand there are always ripple effects uh, to these sure. kinds of things. Sure. I, I mean, you know, we're talking about raising the top income tax rate to 39.6 percent from 37 percent. Big deal. Doesn't affect me. Doesn't affect you. Households making more than a million dollars. Capital gains and dividend rates from 20 percent to 39.6 might affect us. I, I, I mean, you know, we sell stock every once in a while in our investment accounts. So, you know, that 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 could uh, you know, they're talking about a four hundred thousand um, dollar household limit on that. Uh, OK, you know, probably doesn't affect a lot of people. But you know what? At some point, you, you've got to say en- enough on raising taxes. And and we're doing this during a rapidly expanding economy um, where, you know, do some of these do some of these proposals and tax increases, are they going to make the economic boom slow down? Possibly. I mean, these are big numbers we're talking about. And, and, and you know, in addition to that, they think they're going to raise $700 billion in revenue by hiring more enforcement people at the IRS. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Let's this see makes what the me laugh, right? We've been looking at the IRS. We've been talking about the IRS for several years now. I think there's maybe down to three workers at the IRS at yeah. this point. I mean, yeah. truly, it is a bare bones skeleton crew there. They say, uh, hey, don't call us. And if you do, you will be waiting for help on the phone until roughly 2029 at this point. And so looking at, okay, there's hardly anyone on staff there to be able to collect, to audit people. And we've already looked on this show at, at the numbers that we could bring in if we could just collect taxes from people who are supposed to be paying them. Uh, so this just seems a little far-fetched. It just seems like you're not looking at where we are now uh, to where we need to get with this. We're, we're skipping over a few steps here, I think. Uh, skipping over a few steps. How about instead of new spending, how about we prop up things like Social Security, existing programs, you know, that are in trouble that we already depend on? Again, you know, some of these ideas, I, they, they make a lot of sense. You know, um, permanently extending the expanded tax credit for child care. I, I have a good friend with six kids. This is a big deal for him. It really helps him. Expanded yeah. earned income tax credit for childless workers. Yeah, I, I kind of get that. You know, $3,000 a child for, for tax credits. I, 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 I get that. But let's fix some of the other programs before we spend money on some. I mean, some of these ideas are they're out there. And, and you know, it's not just this year. It's funding it for next year, the year after that, the year after that. I'm very concerned about where this economy could head with all of this new spending, not even getting into, is it inflationary? Yeah. And inflation, I, I started in the business in the early 80s when inflation was really high. We remember the high interest rates. That was the good part. But the increased cost of goods, not so good. I mean, yeah. high inflation is, is a financial plan killer. 
Another thing President Biden is looking at here, proposing ending kind of the stepped-up basis rule. And this would fundamentally oh change goodness. financial planning, estate planning. We're going to dig into this more at 618, but this is something else that could come out of this big announcement tonight. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC as we talk about what you can expect to hear from our president uh, the next couple of hours when he makes his big primetime speech about this next kind of soft infrastructure plan is what he's calling it. In uh, digging kind of beyond that to how we're going to pay for it and what it's going to mean long term. Yeah, and, and again, I, we're in a phenomenally strong economy. I, I kind of like what Bill Clinton did years ago, even though I wasn't a, a big fan of his for a lot of reasons, but he was at least smart enough to know, hey, I've got a growing economy. I'm not going to get in the way of this. I mean, these are huge, trillions of dollars, huge spending proposals with, with um, tax increases, especially hitting corporations that, you know, you, you want to knock down the growth rate of, of this country, just start raising the amount of taxes that, that you're going to tax corporations because that's money that is not going into growth. That's going into Washington coffers. And as we all know, Washington bureaucracy, yeah, they're they're real efficient with their use of that money. I, I mean, I'm there's nothing I like about any of these proposals as they are currently being proposed. And I know this is going to make your head spin even further, but we've been talking about, okay, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for that? And there's already talk of another stimulus check, a group of over 60 legislators, right, asking the Biden administration to add budget for continued stimulus checks and future spending bills. Yeah. Uh, these, you know, it's just a tough pill to swallow because I understand that there's still people out there that are hurting. At the same time, I've got children. They're going right. to be paying off these, these, you know, these bills for, for years to come. Amy, just, just go into any downtown area, any business community. You're going to see a lot of we're hiring signs. The, the biggest problem this economy has right now that I see is lack of, of workers. I mean, businesses are yeah. struggling to take care of the demand because they don't have enough people working for them. Why do you need an additional stimulus when the economy is already expected to grow? I mean, we're seeing numbers of seven percent, possibly as high as eight percent increase in gross domestic product this year. I, I mean, a couple of years ago, I would have been happy with two or three percent. Seven to eight percent is massive. That's ahead of the 2019 pace. That's not not just a snapback. That's an incredibly thriving economic growth trend that we're looking at. Do you need to go further in debt for stimulus? No. Yeah. No. And so let's talk about, as, as you're watching this tonight, if, if you watch the president giving his speech, we want to make sure that you're thinking about the takeaways. What what can you do, right? What does this mean for you? Yeah. It's a great time to understand how these estate planning cha- uh, changes might impact you your family, your plans. Um, talking about inflation, how can yeah. you hedge against inflation? This is, I'm sure, a, a concept and a conversation that you're having all the time with yeah, investors. That I, you I'm getting increased numbers of phone calls about, and that's the primary topic, is inflation. And I, I don't buy into, it's going to be like Germany in the 30s. No, but we are starting to already see the signs of increasing inflation. The Federal Reserve wants some uh, amount of inflation. They've been targeting 2% uh, for, for years and years. Well, they're getting it. They're getting a little bit more than that right now because a lot of these policies that have been enacted recently, they're inflationary. They're, they're going to increase the cost. I mean, just go to the store. You see that things cost more. Food, yeah. gas, everything's Quickly, up right? a little bit. And, and the pace is what's concerning me. I don't think we'll see hyperinflation, 
but I don't think it's going to stop at 2% either if we continue this trajectory. So, yeah, yeah let, let's just calm down on the spending a little bit and regroup and, and let the economy grow without getting in the way. And I think what all of this comes down to is maybe get ready for some more turbulence. Here's the Simply Money point. The federal government is generating new trillion dollar spending ideas pretty frequently. You may want to prepare to pay for them. You know, you know this already, right? Spending money is a whole lot easier than making it, which is why ArtsWave, a major sponsor behind Blink, which is, of course, that huge multi-day event across Cincinnati that's so cool and everyone talks about, well, they're trying to provide some financial reasons to spend the money, right? We're bringing money in, so we should spend it on this festival, They've got some numbers that they're throwing out there, Steve. Yeah, you know, and I, you wonder where some of these numbers come from. I, it's kind of a neat event. Have you been to it before? I have not because, unfortunately, I'm always out of town yeah, uh, yeah. when it when it happens, inevitably. But I have seen the pictures, the video. And it's kind of cool. Have you been? Yeah, yeah. Ann and I went, uh, I guess it was 2019 because it sure didn't happen in 2020. But, yeah, yeah you know, you put some cool pictures uh, projected against buildings and whatever. It, it's an artsy kind of thing. But it, it, it attracts a, a lot of people. And, and the numbers, if you can believe them, and, and I'm not sure I'm there yet, but they're, they're, they're staggering. Uh, ArtsWave found that 1.25 million people attended the four-day event in 2019. That's a lot of people. And yeah. they're estimating the economic impact was over $86 million. Um, that's a lot of money coming in, a th over a 1,000 uh, jobs, uh, earning a total of $28 million. If these numbers are believable, this is a pretty darn good economic engine. Now, now, Amy, it's already been uh, it's already been canceled for 2021. That was mm -hmm. one of the the early casualties. So they they're talking about bringing it back in 22. And, and here's here's where I'm a little bit skeptical because these numbers seem awful high. I went downtown, had to pay for parking, knocked around for a little bit. I don't think we bought anything. Went home. I, I, I know some people are going to stay there. Some people maybe get a hotel room overnight. Um, I'm not Eat sure dinner they... down there, certainly, and over the Rhine. Yeah, but I, you, you have to wonder is, yeah, I mean, it's it's fun doing that kind of stuff when there's literally tens of thousands of people milling around, uh, especially if it's on a nice night. But I, I think some of the incentive behind this is they, they seem to want to get the city of Cincinnati to spend some of their money instead of privately funded like it has been in the past. So they're approaching the city of Cincinnati for, in their opinion, they'd like to see a $1 million grant being made as a sponsor of, of Blink and using these numbers to justify Cincinnati. You should want to spend a $1 million because look at all of these dollars it's generating. Whenever I see a conclusion based on a conflict of interest, I, I'm skeptical, but if the numbers are real, maybe it is a good idea for Cincinnati to spend a few bucks to make a few bucks. And you see this all the time, right? Major events sure. saying, here's the economic impact that we have, whether that number is, is truly the right number or not. But it sounds like uh, Mayor John Cranley is behind it. He's proposing that million-dollar grant, yeah. uh, you know, out of the $290 million that they have in stimulus money. But here's the deal. Uh, there's a lot of people trying to figure out where that money should go in a lot of places where uh, we're <laughs> thinking that that money should go. We're, of course, big proponents of the Brent Spence Bridge. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's just a mess. I, I met you for lunch, Steve, last week. It took me 
45 minutes to get somewhere where it should have been 30 minutes yeah. because because of the Brent Spence because of the bridge yeah. and it's just yeah. so so frustrating um, but honestly here's what they're saying about that Ohio's transportation director told the business courier um, I think we're going to get some money for this um, and that next two trillion dollar bill but you're going to have to pay for some of it too meaning tolls yeah, yeah, and, and and they're treating this like it's a local issue. I, I mean, mm. Jack Marchbanks is is he he was interviewed by the Business Courier. He's Ohio's transportation director, and and yeah, exactly. He's saying, well, yeah, we've got some money from stimulus that that can go towards a bridge, but this is a three billion dollar bridge project. It ain't going to cover everything. You're going to have to do some tolls. Or, no, this is a national emergency. I mean, it's this in the is, top ten of infrastructure it, it, projects. It, exactly, and and you know they're treating it like, well, Cincinnati, you're getting two hundred ninety million dollars, and and you know you should use some of that for for the Brent Spence. That ain't going to cover it. Not you know? begin to cover. And let's fix the potholes first for a local issue, you know, but this is a major, major um, bridge for a major artery from traveling north to south in the United. I mean, it connects Detroit with Miami for crying out loud, you know, so so let's let's talk at the national level. If they're throwing around two trillion dollars for infrastructure, let's let's talk about the Brent Spence Bridge being funded from maybe a bill like that, not locally. What's the stat? I think it's two to three percent of all the GDP uh, in the country is moved yeah, across the exactly. Brent Spence Bridge. Like someone needs to start paying attention. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55 KRC. We're getting two hundred and ninety million dollars in the city of Cincinnati um, from stimulus money. Lots of talk of where that money should be spent. Issue three. Yeah. Is something that if you live in the city of Cincinnati, you're going to vote on, uh, and it would require the city to put at least $50 million a year into uh, its affordable housing trust fund. Yeah, and, and I don't think there's anybody out there, Amy, that says, oh, no, affordable housing, bad idea. That's a bad I, thing. Yeah, yeah come on. You no. know, everybody wants affordable housing. And Cincinnati, I think, does have a need. They've got a million dollars socked away for affordable housing right now. Yeah, maybe a little bit more. But this is, now all of a sudden we're getting this proposal for $50 million a year. It's another example of, oh, we know Cincinnati's got $290 million from the stimulus fund. Let's grab some of that. I, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's crazy how many groups are out there trying to get a piece of that $290 million. So I'm hearing, you know, these, these ads on radio and on TV about issue three, and you don't know much about it. Here's, here's without diving into the details too much, here's where I get a little bit concerned. All of the cons, the the, the, the uh, I'm against issue three, are from local groups, firefighters. I think the, the police union is going to put some money towards it. Um, unions uh, that are local to, to Cincinnati, they don't like issue three. And where are the pros? Where, where are the people? Well, and let's talk about pos- that, though, for a second, yeah. Steve, because I have sat through I can't even tell you, maybe 10 years when since of Cincinnati's budgets, and we're always, there's always a shortfall. Oh, so sure. the reason why yeah. these groups are, they're not they're not saying that affordable housing is a bad thing. They're simply saying, where is this money coming from? It's $50 million a year. 
Yeah, that's a lot of money. That's a big number. Are we going to cut jobs? Are we going to cut public safety? Like, so exactly. that's the concern there. It, it, it is, and I think that's why you're seeing the firefighters, and I think you'll see the police union say, hey, this I know this is going to come out of our pocket of past history is, is uh, any indicator. So, yeah, we're, we're not sure we, we like money coming out of our budget to fund affordable housing. And who's in favor of Issue 3? They're D.C.-based groups. Matter of fact, the two primary drivers of this happen to share the same address in Washington. Washington, D.C., uh, a group called the Community Change Action, and a super PAC at the same address called Community Change for Voters. So, you know, I, 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 I'm very skeptical when you have out-of-town groups saying, this is a good idea for Cincinnati, and Cincinnati should spend this much money, and the local groups, especially police and firefighters, saying no. And I love, though, when David Mann asked for input, uh, the response was pickleball courts from the public. So we'll keep an eye on this. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station. All right, you're ready to retire, but that doesn't mean that your spouse, maybe not even close. We see this all the time, Steve. One is five 10 years older than the other, which makes the whole process of determining when and how to retire a little more complicated. It does. And, you know, I I try to stay private. A lot of people don't realize this, but Anna is quite a bit older than me. Um, She's six days older. So I I think that makes her, what do they call that when the cougar or something like that? Cougar, yeah. She's she's so lucky. She's like robbing the cradle with you born six days later. But but in all Mm. seriousness, we see this quite a bit. Not everybody's the same age when when they retire. Nathan and and Marcy, right? Nathan Backrack, the founder of Simply Money. Perfect example. And and he always tells this story about when he went to Social Security and he was actually talking to them about an issue with his daughter. But he was like, well, I'm here, you know, want to bring this up. You know, what do you think about when I should claim Social Security? And they he said, well, claim it now. And he said, okay, but my wife is 10 years younger. Why would I not wait until I'm 70? Nah. Yeah. And he was like, no, like, I'm going to wait until I can get, until I can claim at 70 to get the highest benefit that I can so that when I'm no longer here, she has the highest benefit possible for the longest amount of time. Well, and especially if the other, if the spouse is maybe not making as much as the older uh, yeah. person drawing social security. So for example, let's just say it's, it's the husband who made lots of money and, and the wife maybe worked. Well, I'm good example here. My, uh, my wife worked in our church for years and years and you don't work in a church to get rich. So, yeah. you know, she's, she's got That's her personal luck. benefit as well as an option to draw a spousal benefit. So in other words, yeah, she's got her own work history and she can get a social security benefit based on what she paid into it. But it may be better for her to draw a spousal benefit if the spousal benefit, which is half of what I receive, is higher than her personal benefit. So in other words, when when you go to social security, you have the choice. Whichever one's higher, you're going to draw. And if the higher earning spouse made lots of money and that higher earning spouse says, hey, I'm done with work. I'm six. 62, and you've got a 58-year-old lower-earning spouse that is going to draw a spousal benefit or half of uh, my Social Security, you're really cutting the amount that you're going to pull into your household. So in other words, if the older of the two working people in, in a relationship um, decides to retire early, it hurts both of you. Yeah. 
Well, it's not necessarily retiring early. It's right claiming at that claiming point. Early. If you wait to claim, uh, you know, then then you've got the the options in front of you. Another thing to think about is, is healthcare. And here's sure. where having the younger spouse, if they're going to continue working, actually works out, because. If they have a good medical, right, a good plan, yeah. uh, you stay on their health care until they retire. They're five years, seven years, 10 yeah. years younger than you, planning to work until 65. You can be on their health care and don't necessarily have to deal with Medicare. Um, and that might be a great option, too. It, it sure is. And, and, you know, keep in mind, that assumes that, okay, if the younger person has a good health plan, sure, um, just go out and, and shop privately for health insurance and, and you'll want to be on your spouse's yeah. health care plan. I mean, it's it's crazy expensive. But, you know, what What if you both decide to retire a, at the same time and one is substantially younger than the other? There's another issue you've got to deal with, Amy, and that's can you put up with each other 24-7? You know, yeah. it's, it's you don't you, you think about leaving your job, but, you know, your your spouse may say, hey, this is my house. I have my my game plan. I have what I normally do. And you just entered my space. So we have some good family friends who um, he retired first, like years earlier than she did, but she had a really demanding career. He, though, had his, like, retirement days set in stone, right? He would meet up with his buddies, they would work out, play tennis, and they would go to this coffee shop down the street, read the paper together and talk. And then all of a sudden, she decided to retire. Mm -hmm. And, wait a second, where are you all morning? And uh, it totally messed up to the point where he said, you know what, I'm going to go back to work, and I'm going going to get like a a part-time job yeah and so i think you can look at this from so many angles and some of them are without a doubt financial Mm -hmm. but a lot of them are emotional too and this is why when one of you starts talking about retirement you have to keep the lines of communication open spouses have to talk to each other because here again if if it's the husband that has been working and and um uh higher earning uh decides to retire you've got to talk to your spouse about hey here's my plan here's what i want to do here's how does you know how do you feel about that and it may very well be that one of them does go back to work even part time just to transition a little bit more instead of going uh okay i guess i'm home 24/7 i'll fix up these things i've been putting off um that stuff gets old after a while I, I, great example my my younger son his in-laws just retired uh, about a month ago mm-hmm. uh, and you know this is a, a dad that both is, at the same time uh, yeah they did and yeah. there's an age gap there, but it's he's a Mr. Fix-It kind of guy. He likes, you know, doing things around the house. Well, he also sold his house at the same time to cash in on the local market. So he's used to doing stuff, and now all of, all of a sudden he's in a Nothing situation where other people do that for me. You yeah. know, so it, it, my son is the beneficiary. Uh, him and his wife now have this beautiful treehouse in the backyard <laughs> for their kids. But that's one project down. What's next, you know? Right. So, yeah, let's let's take a look at what your day is going to be like in retirement. Here's the Simply Money point. An age gap creates just different emotional and financial challenges for retirement planning. Make sure you're planning early to make that transition smoother, and you have got to talk about it with your spouse. There's so many of us that have been stuck inside our homes, uh, and we've been looking around at all the improvements we'd like to make, and I think this spring a lot of us are stepping up to make those. Joining us tonight, Josile Ehrlich, President and CEO of the Cincinnati Better Business Bureau, with some great advice. If you are going to make sure that you do these improvements this year, a few words of caution, right, Josile? 
Absolutely, and I will be the first to admit I see a lot around my house that needs to be worked on, but I tend to look the other way. Um, if you are considering, if you've got more ambition than me and you really want to hire a home improvement contractor, remember that these times are not normal times that we're in right now, so you mm-hmm. have to be extremely cautious. First, get more than one estimate, preferably at least three. Yeah. And these estimates need to be really detailed about exactly what you want done so that you can compare these bids and, you know, you're comparing apples to apples and not apples to oranges. Yeah. Once you decide on that contractor, then you've got to really focus on the contract. Don't just sign on the bottom line, which is really easy to do. You need to read the contract every single paragraph. You need to understand your obligations and the contractor's obligations. And Josiel, to your point, because there's so many people out there looking to make renovations this year, if you can just get one contractor to show up at your house, I think a lot of that, us are calling that a success. Um, but you're saying don't stop there because I'm sure prices are even higher than we've ever seen before. I know lumber prices, uh, they're sometimes locking in quotes for only two weeks at a time. So some of these prices can be pretty huge. You want to make sure that you're not just going with the first person who shows up. Don't go with the first person, and don't always go with the cheapest bid. We kind of recommend that you go middle of the road. Mm -hmm. A low-ball bid could mean problems down the road. But once you're ready to sign that contract, again, you need to look at it and make sure that it is just as detailed. Example, you want your house painted. What rooms need to be painted? What brand and type of paint do you want? Color, if you know it. Number of gallons they plan on using. You know, uh, somebody who wants to use top-of-the-line paint and it takes 15 gallons compared to somebody who's going to water down the paint and paint it with five, you need to know that. Yeah. Does this include trim work or, inside, or the inside of the closets? Are they going to prep the walls? Who's moving the furniture? Absolutely everything having to do with your product project Excuse me, should be spelled out in that contract. Other things you need to look for, is there a start and end date for the work? If permits mm-hmm. are required, Who's supposed to get those permits, you or the contractor? And I have heard, I know at least building permits right now are way backlogged because so many people are building. I imagine that any kind of home improvement uh, permits might be the same thing. So this is where I think there has to be a very open dialogue between you and that contractor because, man, you sign with someone and then it's radio silence for a while. That's not a comfortable place. Right, and that's why having a start and end date there motivates the contractor to make sure that they are doing what they need to do on time. It also helps you manage your expectations. If they're telling you, I have to go and pick up a permit for this job and it's going to be three weeks, and here you wanted this due two weeks from now, done. Yeah. Uh, You've got to learn how to manage your expectations. Um, Other things that you need to know, to your point, uh, it should also clearly state what's going to happen if there's a delay because they can't get something. The kitchen cabinets that you want are on a six-month back order. What what happens now? Do you wait six months? Do you cancel the contract? Um, If you have to uh, cancel the contract, is there a cost to cancel it? Is there a cost for changing from one cabinet to another? Uh, Is there a cost to cancel the contract? All these things you need to know before you sign. And we always recommend, and I know people are reluctant to do it, you ask for and you check those references. Uh, You want to check references of people that have had similar work done. If you're having your house painted, you don't want to see references for people that had their driveway done. You want somebody that's had the same work done as you. And it should have been done in the last six months so that you have 
again, comparing apples to apples, what's happening with this contractor in the same time frame. Were they happy with the work? Was it done on time? Were there any issues? And again, while that doesn't guarantee that your job is going to be problem-free, it helps you manage your expectations. What I hear you saying here, Justile, is you cannot be in a hurry. And, and I get this because when I decide that I'm finally going to like move through with a project, I want it done yesterday. Right. But there's so much competition out there um, that by hiring the first bid that you get, by so many things can go wrong, cutting corners. So if this is the year when you decide to do those home improvement projects, I think this is the year you also have to be very patient about them. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC. We are joined by Seal Ehrlich as we are every month with just some great reminders if you are going to do some home improvement projects this year. Josiel, what other warnings do we have uh, for people listening tonight about some potential scams out there? Well, along the lines of home improvements, one thing we are hearing a lot of, again, year after year, is roof repair scams, especially after a storm. These guys are going door-to-door offering free roof inspections, or they might tell you that they were working on a neighbor's roof and just happened to look over and saw some potential damage, and they'd be happy to do a quick inspection for you. These guys are always going to find some kind of damage. A lot of times it's damage they've created themselves when they Mm -hmm. went up there and ripped up a few shingles, or they took pictures of somebody else's roof and said, hey, this is your roof and this is what has to be done. These guys are going to ask you for a sizable down payment for the job. They may even start the work right there and then, but they're going to leave with your money before they finish the job. And if you you have a problem down the road, these guys are nowhere to be found. Reminder, I think as a general rule of thumb, Josiel, and maybe you would agree, if someone comes to you offering something, even if it's something that you thought, well, I could use um, someone to check my roof, no, you initiate the contact with the company. Someone coming to your house, I just feel like is never a good thing. Someone just came to mind yesterday offering landscaping services, and of course, I was just lucky enough to be someone who qualified for some kind of great deal. Aren't um, you special? Yeah. Exactly. And while I did need that service, I actually called somewhere else because I just don't feel comfortable with people who are soliciting at my house. You're absolutely right. If you didn't initiate the contact, we recommend that you slam the door in their face to be blunt. There are plenty of reputable whomever that you need, be it roofers or painters or whatever, and you can check them out at bbb.org and have confidence in the people that you select. The people who come to your door unsolicited, uh, I'm with you. It makes me very uneasy. Great advice tonight from Josiel Ehrlich, president and CEO of the Better Business Bureau. If you are uh, having some work done to your home this year, just be smart about who you're hiring, who you're working with. Make sure that all the T's are crossed, the I's are dotted, and that you have read that contract completely before you sign. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station. You've been listening to the best of Simply Money. If you could do us a favor, send the show to a friend if you think maybe they could benefit from it as well. At All Worth Financial Retirement, it's what we do. 